0: Well, if you haven't been with us uh, for the past few weeks, <clears throat> we've really started off the series by saying one main thing, and this is kind of the bottom line for what we've been talking about, is that a hero, a hero sees what everyone else sees, but isn't content to do what everyone else does. A hero sees the world the way everybody else sees the world, but they can't leave it that way. They've got to step in. They've got to do an action. Therefore, a hero ends up saving the day. They step in and they save the day in, in, in a really big way, and, and they become the hero of the story. And, and we've kind of uh, un- unravel this topic about what heroes are, and I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes when we, when we talk about uh, heroes and being heroic, it, it feels like, like there's a disconnect, doesn't it? Like, I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning, and I don't look at myself in the mirror, and the first thing I think of is, like, hero. Anybody else feel that way? Like, it, it just feels a, a little separate. So we're really going through this series, and I, I've asked myself this question, and maybe it's a question you've asked yourself, but um, the question goes a little bit like this. What was the last heroic thing you did? And I asked myself that question, and much like you're feeling right now, I I didn't have a good answer. And it it began to bother me a little bit. Like, why don't I have a good answer? Like, what's, really, what's the last heroic thing I've done? Like, Have I stepped out? And and I'm guessing if some of you ask this question, some of you may have like great stories because you've done the incredible things. You've stepped out and you've saved someone's life. You've kept someone from drowning. You saved someone from being hit by a bus, whatever it might be. You've done some amazing things where you can answer this. But but for some of us, my guess is if we ask this question, we end up with a blank response because we really haven't done anything that feels really heroic. And when we think of being a hero, it, it kind of leaves us feeling a little bit left out, maybe a little bit empty. Because heroes save the day. And, and even more than that, when I think of heroes, I think of, of, of heroes um, th- that don't just save the day in like a small way, but heroes, the heroes that I think of, heroes save the day in like a, a really, really big way. Right? They, they save the world. They change the course of history. People are never the same because they showed up. Maybe when you think of heroes or superheroes, you don't immediately think of the people that I go to. I'm a little bit of a nerd. So when I think of heroes, I go to like Superman and Batman, Spider-Man, the Avengers. Maybe when you think of heroes, your mind goes to a little bit more of a realistic place. Maybe you think of people who've walked the earth and who have changed history forever. And when I begin to think about people like that, I begin to think of people like this, like Martin Luther King. Who, who made it his life's goal to, to, to bring apart like, the civil rights movement and make sure that, that racism was put to bed in America. I think of people like, like Mother Teresa, who, who poured her life out again and again and just continued to pour out, to love the unlovable and to, to touch the untouchable, to change the course of history forever. I think of people like Nelson Mandela, who spent over 20 years in prison to end a, a apartheid, to do things that I could never, never dream of or even imagine of but these figures stand out in history because they've done something that has changed the course of history forever. I've never got to meet these people. I, I don't know if you have. If you have, tell me the story because I think that would be absolutely amazing. I've never got, got to meet them, but what, what I do know is that these are our real heroes. These are people that have walked the earth, that have changed lives, that have changed history forever. So, so when I ask this question again, what is the last thing I've done that made me feel heroic? I, I really don't have an answer, but, but what if I change the question a little bit? Well, what if I change the question and I asked it this way? What was the last thing that someone did heroic for you? What was the last time somebody did something heroic for you? And my guess is you'd have an answer. Your mind would immediately go to the, to the people that, that that have that have stepped into your life when nobody else was stepping in, that, that have done things for you that nobody else was willing to do, that saw potential in you, when no one else saw potential in you. And they changed the course of your life, maybe even perhaps changed the course of, of your future. Because they stepped in and they did something heroic for you. Most of us would would think of that one person that was willing to sacrifice when no one else was willing to sacrifice, that was willing to stick around when no one else was willing to stick around. And, And my guess is that if I gave each of you a moment, things would get really emotional real quick as we thought back on the people in our lives who were willing to step up and willing to step into our life and to be a hero, to see potential where everyone else saw a mess. Maybe it was a spouse. A spouse who's willing to give up their time and give up their money so that you could reach your goals and your dreams. Maybe it was a friend, a friend who stuck around when all of your other friends kind of abandoned your life and probably with good reason, but they stuck around to the bitter end for you because they loved you and they saw potential in you. Maybe it was a dad, a a dad who gave up his financial dreams to make sure you could go to school or to make sure you could start your new startup. Maybe it was a single mom who, who did the same, who works their tail off day and night to make sure that you have a future. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a coach in high school or a coach in college who saw potential when everyone else saw a little bit of a mess and continued to coach and continued to push because they could see what you could become even though you couldn't. They had tended to believe in you. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a son or a daughter who continually forgives and forgives and forgives even though you continue to not show up. When we think of other people who have done something heroic for us, we think of people who have given something up for us. Because there's this truth that comes along with being a hero. And the truth is this, is that heroes sacrifice. Heroes sacrifice part of themselves, part of their life, for your life. That's what a hero does. They sacrifice part of what they're doing for you. They see the potential in you. They see the good in you. They're willing to risk themselves or sacrifice themselves for you. We shared a story in in the the first kind of episode or series of this uh, where somebody was willing to run into the fire, run into the explosion, run into the rubble to save someone else's life. A hero is always willing to sacrifice for the sake of somebody else's life. Who was the last person who did something heroic for you? Who was the last person who was willing to sacrifice for you? Who was the last person that was willing to say no to themselves so that they could say yes to you? See, this amazing thing about sacrifice, and, and we all love sacrifice, right? No one would say we don't love it. No one said we don't believe in it. We believe. We love it. We love the stories. We love hearing about it. We love reading about it. We love watching movies where other people sacrifice. A sacrifice is really this. A sacrifice is saying no to something now so that they can say yes to something later. A sacrifice is saying no to me now so that you can say yes to yourself later. A sacrifice is saying, no, I'm not going to do this now so that perhaps I can do something better or something bigger or something more later on. And we love it. We love seeing stories where people are willing to sacrifice. We're willing to put themselves at at, at odds, willing to put themselves in danger for the sake of someone else so that someone else can survive. We love seeing it. We love reading about it. We love watching other people do it. But very rarely do we want to be a part of it. You see, Jesus made this incredible statement. Jesus said this, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. There really isn't anything bigger, there really really isn't any greater show of love than to be willing to lay down your life for someone else. Jesus is really saying that there's nothing else you can do. There's no greater form, there's no greater show of love than to be willing to sacrifice yourself for someone else. We love sacrifice. We love reading about it. We love watching it. We love seeing what other people are willing to do. As long as, and here's the kicker, as long as it's somebody else who's doing it. I don't want to have to sacrifice for myself. But if they're willing to sacrifice, that's a great story. I don't want to have to give up my future, but if they're willing to give up their future for me, then, man, that's awesome. We love reading about what other people are willing to do for others. But very few of us are willing to pay that price ourselves. You see, really, what's the worst thing we could tell ourselves? No, right? That's the worst thing we could tell ourselves. No, don't buy that. No, don't go there. No, don't spend that. No, don't go after that. No, don't get in that relationship. No, don't do that. No, sacrifice. We don't want to tell ourselves no. We love sacrifice, but we don't want to be the ones that have to sacrifice. None of us love to sacrifice from ourselves. There's this thing in life that you, know you, that, that you may even know needs saving, but you won't do it. You won't save them. There are things in all of our lives that we know are a little bit at risk, that we know are, are a little bit maybe in trouble, but we don't do things to save them. We know, you know, over the years we put on some weight, our health is a little at risk. We, you know, we get winded sending a tweet because 140 characters, it's a, whew, that's too long. Right, it, it, it's a little harder to move around and we know it's at risk, but, but I, I don't wanna, I don't have to change what I eat, I don't have to start exercising, I don't wanna go to the gym, I don't want have to sacrifice my sleep. We know our health's at risk. We, we know perhaps our finances are at risk. Right? We keep going more and more into debt, but Amazon keeps calling and we keep answering because it's just so easy to shop. And There's Prime, I get it in two days, and if I'm really lucky, I can even get it in a day. And, and it's, We just love to shop, and we, we don't want to say no to the clothes. We don't want to say no to the shoes. We don't want to say no to the tech that we love. We, we don't want to say no. We don't want to sacrifice from ourselves. So we keep saying yes to ourselves now, and, and we go further and further and further into debt, and our finances become more and more unhealthy and more and more of a mess. Maybe it's not finances. Maybe perhaps for you, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with a friend or it's a relationship with a son or a daughter. And and for years, the relationship has just kind of been on the rocks. And and you know there are things you can do to change it. You know it's spending more time with your friends. It's investing in that relationship. It's saying no to traveling so you could be around for your kids. It's saying no to maybe working that extra overtime so you could show up for dinner or show up for a game or be involved in your children's lives. But, But it's so hard to say no to those things because that's what pushes me ahead. And that's what helps me accomplish my dreams. And I love traveling. But we know the relationship's at risk, but we don't do anything. We're not willing to sacrifice to see it improve. Maybe it's a marriage. Your marriage has been on the rocks for years. You guys don't communicate without yelling at each other. And it it just seems to get worse and worse and worse. And there are things you could do to improve, but that would mean you'd have to say no to yourself and yes to her or yes to him. And it's like, I'm not doing that. So you keep having the same fights over and over and over and over again until eventually you don't even fight because you don't even talk. And you're not in the same room. And then you're not in the same house maybe it's your future. Maybe your future's at risk because you're, you're so willing to say yes to everything now. The things you ultimately want in the future become sacrificed. Really, that, that's what happens. We, we, we want what we want now and we want what we want in the future, but we don't realize to get what we want in the future, we have to say no to some of the things we want now. And we keep doing it, and we keep pursuing, and we keep buying, and our finances are out of control. And we're in a relationship that we know is going to take us to where we ultimately want to go. But we don't want to sacrifice the relationship and say no. And our future becomes more and more at risk. But we're not willing to sacrifice to get the future we ultimately want. See, we just don't want to have to do it to ourselves. We don't want to have to say no. We don't want to have to sacrifice. I love sacrifice when someone else is doing it. But I don't like it when it means that I have to give up the things that I want, the things that I want now. Even though I know there are things I want in my future, I don't have to give up the things I want now to get there. We're going to pick up with this incredible conversation with Jesus. In Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he talks about this tension that we live in. This tension kind of that people live in where we kind of want this thing here and now, but we also know we want this future and there may be some sacrifice to get from where we are to where we want to go, but we're not willing to pay the price. We're not willing to sacrifice. So we kind of live life knowing the things that we should do and knowing the things we shouldn't do, but we're kind of acting opposite to what we know. And we're living in the tension of what we know and how we should live, but living in the opposite or living in contrast to that. And Jesus kind of speaks into this thing that I think that all of us deal with, whether we kind of have ever articulated it this way or not, something that we all kind of struggle with, but but we don't ever, ever say it this way because that would show uh, maybe a sign of weakness or maybe a sign of of second-guessing ourselves. Jesus speaks directly into this. He says this with his disciples. He says, whoever wants to save their life, and who here wants to save their life? Who wants a good life? Like every hand goes up. I haven't met one person in my entire life who said, no, I think I'd like a bad life. I think I'd like to be hurt and suffer and have pain. And no, no, we all want a good life. That's the American dream, to have a good life. Who wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever, they're lose, whoever loses their life for me, he says, will find it. And you read this, and if you're like me, you think to yourself, what am I supposed to do with that? Right? Like, like Jesus, what am I supposed to do? What do you mean? Like, if... If there's something that you really want to save, you have to lose it. How does that make any sense? That, that literally sounds like you're speaking in opposites. If you want to save it, you have to lose it. <clears throat> and if you lose it, somehow you'll find it? It doesn't make any sense. Jesus kind of steps into this conversation with his disciples, and, he, and he's talking about this whole idea of sacrifice. Now, I want to give you some context to this conversation before we, we kind of bounce back to how Jesus started and how he concludes the conversation. Right before this moment, before he's kind of walking through this conversation on sacrifice with his disciples, earlier in Matthew 16, he begins by kind of asking his disciples, hey guys, who do you say that I am? Right? We've been doing ministry for a few years. I, I've, I've done some amazing things. I've healed some people. I've fed some people. I've, I've walked on water. Like, like, there are rumors about me everywhere. People are, all, are, are, are saying crazy things. They're saying, I, I'm, a, I'm just a good teacher. I'm a great man. Some people are saying that I'm a prophet. Some people say I'm a prophet reincarnated, like Elijah or Jeremiah. But, but that's great for the rest of the world. You guys know me. You've traveled with me. We've been together for years. Who do you say that I am? And the disciples all all kind of scared to answer, except for this one guy, the same guy we talked about last week, kind of the the, the bravest of the bunch, if you will. Peter steps out, and he begins to answer, and he answers for all the disciples. He said, Jesus, here's who we think you are. We think you're the son of God. We think you're the Messiah. We think you're the hero in the story. We think you're the hero we've been waiting for, who's going to change the world, who's going to set us free from Roman rule and make Israel a new nation again. Jesus, that's who we think you are. And then the room goes silent. And I, I can just imagine in this moment that the rest of the disciples are kind of scared. Like, what did Peter say the right thing? Like, what's Jesus going to say? Is he, he going to correct him? Is he going to chastise him? Peter's answer kind of hangs in the balance in this room. The tension's thick. And then Jesus smiles and he says, that is exactly right. He gives him the best news ever. That's that's exactly who I am, Peter. I am the hero in the story. I am the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm your savior. I'm here for you. And then he gives him the best news ever, right? He even kind of pumps things up even more. Jesus goes on and and he says this. He says, guys, I'm going to do something. I'm going to establish my work, my kingdom, this new thing you've been waiting for, and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. And now the disciples, they're like, you know, like the football team that gets like the encouraging pep talk, you know, in the the locker room, they're all excited, like, yeah, that's right, we're going to take it, we're going to build a kingdom, gates of hell, gates of Schmel! no one's going to stand against us, we're going to take them down, like they're just, they're like excited, this is it, you know, the blood's racing, Jesus, this is what we've been waiting for, you're going to do it, you're going to go into Jerusalem, you're going to set up your kingdom, you're going to kick the Romans out, we're going to rule with you, this is amazing. Like the best pep talk, the best locker room talk ever given in history. And then Jesus follows up his locker room talk with maybe the worst playbook ever given in history. He says this, from that time on, the text says, Jesus began to, ex- to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life like they go from this incredible pep talk. Hey guys, you're right. I'm the hero. I'm the hero of the story. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change history. I'm going to establish my kingdom. Gates of hell won't prevail against me. I'm the superhero you've been waiting for. Best pep talk in the world. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer and die. And they're thinking like, Jesus, like, what are you talking about? That's not what heroes do. Right? Heroes don't die. Heroes don't win by losing. Heroes win by winning. Like like these things aren't connecting Jesus. What what are you talking about? And and when we we see this, this this Bible says from this point on, Jesus continued to talk about this. He continues over and over again, like many times because the disciples aren't getting it. Sometimes I think they're a little thick. He just keeps saying, hey guys, I'm going to do this. Hey guys, we're going to Jerusalem. Hey guys, I'm going to suffer. Hey guys, I'm going to die. Hey guys, I'm going to come back to life on the third day. But every time he talks about it, when you read through the gospels, it's like the disciples' eyes kind of glaze over, almost like they don't even hear. Jesus will say this, and then it's like the very next line, the disciples change the subject. Hey, look at that fruit tree over there. Like, did you miss the point? Hey, Jesus, what about this? Guys, I just told you I'm going to die. I told you that I'm going to have to be racist. Hey, Jesus. And, and just, it's like they glaze over. And if you've ever like, been like me and kind of wondered, Why? Why would they hear these things that Jesus said and just kind of ignore or glaze over? And and, and here's the best assumption I can come up with. This isn't in any text, but it's the only assumption I can create. They had this like imaginary bucket that said all the crazy things Jesus says. You know, like we said, I'm going to write a book of all the stupid things you say. They had a bucket for Jesus and Jesus did some amazing things and they're awestruck. And wow, that's Jesus. He's the hero. He's amazing. And then he talks about himself dying. It's like crazy thing Jesus said. you know, Jesus walks on water, that's amazing, look at this, I'm gonna die and be raised to life, yeah, crazy things, because no one dies, and comes back to life, nobody, nobody's ever done that, nobody's ever done that on their own, by their own will of volition, like, they're just kind of walking through life, thinking he's awesome, he's great, but dude, he's out there, right, he's, he smoked a lot of stuff as a kid, he's crazy, these are just some crazy things Jesus says, and they put it away, And that's the only assumption I can come up with as to why Jesus would teach this over and over and over again. And every time they get to this part, the disciples kind of check out. Because it's like, it's just another crazy thing Jesus says. Who, Who could do it? Who would live that way? But Jesus has prepared them time and time again hey, here's what's coming that to be the hero in the story, to save, I've got to sacrifice. To do what ultimately needs to be done for your sake and for the sake of the world and everybody's future. I've got to give something up. And I don't want to give it up necessarily, but I have to, to ensure that you get where you need to go, to ensure that you get the life that you need to live. I'm going to have to give up something on my own. But in this conversation, at this event, Peter wasn't satisfied with Jesus saying this to his disciples. Every other time they kind of check out, their eyes glaze over, they put it in the crazy bucket. This time Peter thinks, you know, I can't, I can't let Jesus get away with it this time. So the text tells us, and I, just, I can't imagine the brazenness of Peter. Peter, the text says, takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. I mean, just imagine that. This is the guy you follow, you call him master, you call him teacher. He takes him aside and he rebukes him. And he says, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Like, first of all, Peter, who are you to give that kind of instruction? Like, that'll net, who are you? You're Peter. You were a fisherman. You were nothing before I met you. No, he rebukes Jesus. Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And I think in this, in this line, in this phrase, there's something hidden in there that, that, that a lot of us tend to deal with, that I tend to deal with, that you perhaps tend to deal with, and that's this. Jesus, there must be another way. Right? You don't have to pay the price. You don't have to walk the hard road. You don't have to do the noble thing. There's got to be another way. There's got to be a shortcut. Right? We all like the shortcut. We all want to take the secret pill that's going to help us lose weight. We all want to drink the secret drink that I can just drink and eat whatever I want and exercise whatever I want as long as I can continue to do. I don't have to sacrifice. Just give me the, the, the secret thing. That's like every multi-marketing scheme ever in the world. That's what they do. They prey on that because you want a shortcut, get a shortcut. If that's you, that's great. But this is what humanity does. We don't want to pay the price. We don't want to do the hard work. We don't want to to have to sacrifice. Give me the shortcut. This is exactly what Peter's saying to Jesus. Now, clearly, Jesus, you're mistaken. There's got to be a shortcut. There's got to be another way around. There's got to be something you're missing in this conversation. There's got to be something you're missing in this story. Because we don't like to sacrifice. I don't know if you've noticed that, Jesus. It's okay if everybody else does. I don't want to have to sacrifice. You shouldn't have to sacrifice. You're the hero. Heroes win. Heroes don't lose. Jesus is corrected by Peter. C- can't imagine. And all because Peter wants to know that there's got to be another way. And I think that's kind of how we live. We live our life, we live making every decision thinking there's gotta be another way. I'll figure that out eventually. Like, I'll come to that eventually, but for now, I'm just gonna continue to live the life I wanna live. But our finances are a mess. Yeah, I know, but I don't really have a plan for it now, but in, in, a, in a few months, I'll budget. You know, when I get my tax return, I'll budget. Next month, I'll budget because I wanna start the month clean, and then you don't, so it's the next month, and then the next month, and then it's years, and then it's decades, and you've never budgeted, and you have no financial future. I'll, I'll get in shape in January when the new year starts, even though it's like February 1st. You gotta wait yeah, that's how our minds work. Uh, eventually, right? That's, like, that's for future me to deal with. I, I, I used to watch The Simpsons a lot, and there was an episode of The Simpsons where Homer and Marge are in their argument, and, and their are arguing about what every, every married couple argue, argues about. Marge wants Homer to do something, and Homer is too lazy to do it. So they're arguing, and in the middle of their argument, Homer reaches in the fridge, and he grabs out a half eaten jar of mayonnaise. He opens it up, and then he grabs a bottle of vodka, and he pours the bottle of vodka in the jar of mayonnaise, puts the lid back on and shakes it up, undoes it, and then drinks the whole thing. And then off screen, you kind of hear Marge say, homie, I don't think you should do that. And he says, that's for future Homer to worry about. And then moments later, he drops on the floor and convulses. Like, I think that's just like a great like, visual illustration to how we live. Like, well, that's just for future me to worry about. I'll, I'll worry about that later on. I'll make these mistakes now. I'll live the way I want now. Knowing that that this isn't what I want in the future, but the future, we will have to worry about that. And that's how we live. Waiting for somebody else to take responsibility. Waiting for somebody else to try to fix our problems. And Peter's telling Jesus, you don't have to do that. Like, Jesus, let somebody else worry about that. Not you. You're the hero. And then Jesus turns to Peter, and he responds in this incredible way. Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. And some people have tried to like let Jesus off the hook that when he turns to Peter, Jesus is really talking to Satan, like Satan's kind of invisible and he's standing behind Peter, but Peter's in front of Satan. So when Jesus is talking to Satan, it's like he's talking to Peter, but he's not. I I don't know how you interpret that. If you want to interpret that, that's fine. But I can tell you this, I know how it must have felt for Peter to be standing in front of Jesus and have Jesus look at him and say, get behind me, Satan. Like, who do you think you are? Don't say these things to me. And why? Why was Jesus so upset in this moment? He knew what was coming. He knew, he, I mean, he was the one who was predicting his own death, his own suffering. Why was he so upfront and angry at Peter? And, and here's the thing the, the, the answer is that I think we often forget is that Jesus was human. And Jesus knew what he was about to do. He knew the sacrifice he was about to make, he knew the suffering he was about to endure, he knew the humiliation of his death that he was about to have to, have to suffer on the cross. And he didn't want to do it. As a matter of fact, the the Gospels tell us later that before he goes to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, God, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to pay this price. I don't want to have to sacrifice. And often we feel that way. We know the future we want. We know what it's going to take to get there. We know budgeting's hard work. We know marriage can be tough and you've got to sacrifice. You've got to put the other person first. We know raising kids we don't like can be challenging, but, but we want to like them, so we've got to get more involved and we've got to say no to these trips and, 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 and be present. But I, I don't want to sacrifice. Jesus said the very same thing to his father. God, I don't want to do this but if there's no other way, if this is the only thing that will make sure they get the future they deserve, then I'll do it. I think Jesus was looking at Peter and saying, Peter, don't tempt me. Don't try to convince me that that's the right thing to do, because I got to tell you, I'm on the edge of thinking that's the right thing to do. I'm on the edge of thinking, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't sacrifice. I don't need you helping. Satan, you're a liar and you're a deceiver. Stop lying and deceiving me. I have to go do what my father's asked me to do. And he puts Peter in his place. Get behind me, Satan. Don't mess with me. Jesus turned to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind, or sorry, you do not have the mind of concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And what are human concerns? Human concerns are short-term concerns. They're always short-term concerns. How's my here and now? Am I comfortable? Am I feeling good about myself? Am I able to do the things I want to do now? And very rarely are human concerns ever about our future. As a matter of fact, when we kind of think of the way we sacrifice, it's kind of sacrifice in reverse, right? Sacrifice should be sacrificing from now the short-term concern to ensure our future concerns. But the way we do it is we sacrifice our future concerns to make sure we can live the kind of life we want now. That's what we do. We sacrifice our future, our future marriage, our future relationships, our, 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 future, uh, um, <clears throat> our future finances, whatever it might be. We sacrifice the future for the here and now so that I can be comfortable and I can do what I want and I can live the way I want now. I don't care about my future. I'm only concerned about this. Jesus said that's human concern. You're not concerned about the things of God. Human concerns sacrifice what we really want <clears throat> for what we want right now. They always do. They sacrifice the future we really want, the marriage we really want, the relationship with our children that we really want, the financial future we really want for the here and now. I don't want to have to stop playing golf. I don't want to have to stop (coughs) going out and buying the things I want. I don't want to have to stop eating where I want. I don't want to have to start exercising. I'm willing to sacrifice all of my future to make sure I'm comfortable now. And then we never get what we really want. then Jesus turned to his disciples and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And eventually this whole passage of scripture, Jesus is really saying this, you know what? There are no loopholes to find life. There's no shortcut to get the future you ultimately want. There really isn't another way. There isn't that, that that loophole, that shortcut, that workaround to be the person you want to be, to have the future you want to have, to be the hero in your story or in someone else's story. You've got to walk the tough road sometimes. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. You've got to be willing to pay the price. You see, and what Jesus said is, is, it's incredible, it's profound, and it's brilliant. But for a lot of us, it's awful, and it's terrible. And here's why it's awful, and it's terrible, because Jesus gives us an invitation. And then we ask, Jesus says, hey, come follow me. Okay, Jesus, where are you going? I'm going to the cross. That doesn't sound like something I want to go. Doesn't sound like something I want to do, Jesus. But if you want the life you've always wanted, if you want to be the hero in your story and in someone else's story, You've got to follow me. The only way to get what you ultimately want is to follow me there. Because to get the life you always want, you've got to be willing to give it. You've got to be willing to lose it. And in losing it, you ultimately find the thing you've always wanted. You're the hero in your story. You're the hero in someone else's story. You live the life that ensures you get the future that you've won. You see, Jesus, I I think, when you look at his story, I don't think he wanted to go to the cross. But I think he was willing because he saw something we couldn't see. You see, when when it comes down to us, really, as human beings, we are naturally scared of two things. They're at the top of every chart when people rate their fears. What are their worst fears in the world? There's two things people are scared of, death and public speaking. You've heard the joke, you'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. People are scared to death of public speaking, and they're scared to die. And really, when it comes to public speaking, I don't think anybody's really scared of speaking in public. I think they're scared of public humiliation, right? We've all had that dream where you're standing up in front of a bunch of people and you're giving a talk and sometimes you're in your underwear. Some people tell you, you know, you're naked, whatever it is, and you're just completely embarrassed. Like all of your imperfections, all of your inequalities, they're there for everyone to see and to judge and to laugh or to to, to, to talk about. What we're really scared of is public humiliation. And when it comes to death, yes, we're scared of the physical death because some people aren't sure what happens afterwards, but we're also scared of these like, little incremental deaths, right? Death to our ego, de- death, to, death to our reputation, death to our future, death, death to, the, to the things that we want and the things that we hold dear. And when it comes to Jesus being on the cross, Jesus died to two of those things. Not only was his death very public, not only was his death very physical, but everyone looked at him and he died in the most most humiliating way possible hung naked on a cross for the world to see for people to walk by and poke fun at and laugh at and make comments to he took all of our greatest fears and he suffered and died the same way we did and the only reason i think that jesus was able to walk through the suffering and walk through the cross is because he knew what came at the end he knew the cross was before him but the resurrection was ahead And the resurrection was after. And here's here's what it comes down to for all of us. Yes, there might be sacrifice now. But sacrifice always brings life. It always brings life afterwards. I might sacrifice now. I might give up on the things I want now. But there is life ahead of me. There might be the cross before me. But the resurrection is after the cross. I can endure the suffering. I can endure the pain. Because I know what's ahead. And for some of us, when we look at our marriages, when we look at our relationships, we're not willing to pay the price. The truth is we're already suffering, right? Our marriage isn't what we want. We, we, we think we're having fun because we, we buy whatever we want and we go wherever we want, but, you know, the debt keeps piling up and the pressure's there and how do we pay and we don't know. And we're already suffering. What if we just suffered for the good? What if we suffered a little bit now and said, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice now to get the life that awaits me because sacrifice always brings, it always leads to life, would you be willing to sacrifice now? Would you be willing to put your spouse first, to say no to yourself and yes to them? Would you be willing to put your children children first? Yes to them and no maybe to the career that I thought of or the trips that I thought of, to the raise that I thought of. Would you be willing to say, say no to, to maybe your desire to, to be the most important person in your world and make your friend just as important? Would you be willing to say no to that extra donut? To make sure you can live long enough to see your kids walk down the aisle or graduate high school or college. See, sacrifice is hard, but sacrifice always, always, always leads to life. The question versus where are you gonna find yourself? You see, the, the, the hardest part of, of of this sermon isn't just hearing this, but it's how do we get there? And the only way we get there is through faith. It takes faith together it takes faith to believe that what's awaiting a, a for me at the end of my sacrifice is life. I don't always see it. I don't always understand it, but I believe it's there. I believe what Jesus said that if I'm willing to lose my life now, that I will find my, the life that I want later. Would you be willing to pay the price to get the life that you want? To get the future that you want, to be the hero in your story and the hero in someone else's. It's going to take faith. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's not always going to be comfortable. But in the end, it is always worth it. I I would guess if you could stand Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela here and ask them about the sacrifices they paid and how hard it was. They would talk about the, the intensity and how awful it was. Would you do anything differently? And I bet every single one of them would say, absolutely not. I would do more. Because it's always worth it in the end. Yes, it's hard now, but the life that it brings is the life you've always wanted. Let me ask you the question one more time. What was the last heroic thing that you've ever done? What was the last heroic thing that you've ever did? I think if we started living this way, we would all have stories to tell. I quit my job so I could be more involved with my family. I I, I let the rays pass me by so that I could be home every night for dinner. I, I sacrificed myself and I stopped going out at night and I stopped playing golf and I started investing in my marriage and saying yes to my wife. I started saying yes to my husband. And man, it, it like my marriage is completely different. You see, what you know what's amazing about resurrection is after res- resurrection, there's always transformation. Like it's unrecognizable. When Jesus was resurrected, nobody recognized him. He's still the same person. He walked outside of the tomb where Mary was there to meet him. And he had a conversation with this woman that he's known for years. She didn't recognize him. She thought he was a gardener. One of my favorite stories, he's walking along the road and he meets two of his disciples and he walks with them for hours on a journey and talks to them the entire time about all the events that occurred. They never knew it was him. You see, when you are, when you're resurrected, when you experience that new life, when your marriage is resurrected, when your relationships, when your finances, when your health is resurrected, it's unrecognizable. It's been transformed. It is like a new life. It's a new like start to whatever it is that you you need to start. That's what awaits you. Here are the two questions you need to answer. This is where we're going to close. What do you want to save? When you look in your life, what is it that you want to save? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationship with your kids? Is it your relationship with God? Is it your faith? Is it your finances? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your future. Maybe all of these things kind of wrap up. I'm just concerned about my future because I haven't put a priority on any of these things. What is the thing that you want to save? And then once you have the answer, here's the question you need to answer. What will you sacrifice to save it? What would you be willing to do to make sure you ultimately get what you want? If it means you even have to sacrifice a little now to get there. See, the answer to this is is hard, and it's nothing we want to hear. But the only way to get the life that we ultimately want is to lose the life we have now. Lose your life now, and you'll find the one you always wanted later, because sacrifice leads to life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for this incredible conversation that was recorded between Jesus and his disciples. Lord, I, I pray that God, it would speak into our hearts now, and it would last with us, God, for years and years, that we would never lose sight of this. That the only way to ultimately to be the hero in our story or someone else's, God, the only way to ultimately get the life that we want is to be willing to lose the life now, God, to be willing to sacrifice for our future, for our kids' future, Lord, for the future of the church, for the future of our faith. I pray that each of us would be willing to take that step, God, to look at our life, to analyze it, what needs to be saved. God, and then to take that courageous step and say, what am I willing to sacrifice to do it? I pray you would lead us in these things, God, that you would help us to see what needs to be sacrificed to get to the places we ultimately wanna be. God, ultimately, I pray that you would make us the hero, God, not just of our story, but of somebody else's as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.